Good morning again. And if you guys missed it from the announcement, my name is Mike Hell. I'm not a pastor resident here at Sea Life Church. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to preach, allowing me to share what God has put on my heart. And as we start with the sermon, I want to start with a story. And this story is about a time that my Christianity was challenged. So we have to go back uh, 10 years ago. We have to go back when I was in college. And, and actually before that, we kind of have to go back until how I grew up. And uh, I grew up in the church. I grew up knowing God, um, you know, and for the most part, you know, I grew up. I went to church every Sunday, um, grew up in a youth group. I was a youth leader. Uh, even, you know, as a youth student, I was a youth leader. And by all accounts, I was a good guy. I was a good Christian, you know. For the most part, I did what I was supposed to do. And I was a good kid, got good grades. And when I was in college, I had a desire to live out my faith more. Right? I wanted to do a little bit more of my faith. I wanted to live out my Christianity a bit more uh, in college. But again, in college, it's that struggle. Your first time uh, being away from home. Um, me, I was, I was 900 miles away. And you know, it was still that, that struggle, internal struggle. Um, but this one night, this one night in college... Um, a couple friends and I were, were going to the movies in downtown Orlando. And before we got to the movie, I got a package that I ordered in the mail. And, and so to live out my Christianity more, I ordered a WWJD bracelet. They were cool. They were, when I got it, it kind of was out of style anyway. It was like a 90s thing. Um, but I got it. I wanted to represent. And that meant what would Jesus do, right? So if you're in situations, you look at your bracelet, you look down, whatever you have, and think about what would Jesus do in that situation, right? So the first thing I got it, I wore it. I was proud. Um, and we went to the movie theater in downtown Orlando. And when we got there, um, you know, when we got in front of the movie theater, there was a street evangelist who was preaching. He was talking the good news of Jesus Christ. And, you know, as I'm walking by, I, I look at him and I kind of tap him on the shoulder. I say, hey, man, you know, you don't go work out here, you know, go work. Like, and I showed him my bracelet like this, like, yeah, we're on the same team, you know. And he said, do you have a second to talk? I said, nah, I got to catch this movie. But, you know, I appreciate what you're doing out here. So I, I get into the theater and I'm not sure what happened. I don't really remember. I don't know if we're early for the movie or it was delayed but whatever happened, um, you know, it was like an hour wait, right? So we were like, man, do we, need, do we go back? We're like a town over from Orlando. So we're like, do we go back? And, you know, my friends and I, we decided to wait, wait at the movie theater. So we went back outside, and the guy comes up to me. He said, hey, what's going on? What happened? I thought you were going to see a movie. I said, yeah, something was delayed. He said, do you have time to talk now? Right? And when he asked me that the second time, I'm like, all right. What are you trying to get at, right? And I and I kind of felt bad for him, right? Because I know he's preaching. I know how that goes. He's probably not getting a lot of people to have conversations with him. So I kind of pitied him. Right? I was like, you know what? I'll have a conversation with him to make him feel like his trip out here wasn't for nothing, right? So we start to talk. We start to talk about God. And, I, you know, I started telling my story. I grew up in the church. I'm a Christian, you know, you, you know, rocking my bracelet. I'm representing. I'm trying to do better in my life. And we talked for about 40 minutes, right? We're talking for a good long time. I kind of want to get out of the conversation, but I'm still, like, entertaining it. The movie hadn't started yet. Um, and we get to the point of the conversation where he opens up his Bible and he points him to the Great Commission. You know, and he points him to the Great Commission, puts in Matthew 28, and, and he reads off the Great Commission. Hey, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. 
And he reads it and he asks me, he said, are you doing these things? And, you know, I had to keep it real. I had to keep it real with him. I said, nah, I'm not really doing all that. That's, that's a lot. Like, that's kind of too much. You know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, like, I'm just a normal Christian. Like, I'm not, that's a lot to do. You know, and then he kind of looking right in my face and he said, you're a fake Christian. Right? And when he said that, I, I took a step back and I was like, in my mind, I was like, what do you mean I'm a fake Christian? Like, I believe all my life, like, I'm not a fake Christian just because I'm not perfect that I mean I'm not a Christian, right? So he kind of starts to explain what he meant by that. But at that point, he already kind of lost me. Um, but even so, I'm thinking like, man, like he, you know, he challenged my faith. And that was the first time anyone took the Bible and challenged my faith. And man, that, that story always like, it's something that I would never forget. That was a changing moment in my life because that was the first time I realized my perspective of me wasn't the reality of me, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about lukewarmness. We're going to see the message Jesus had to the church at Laodicea about lukewarmness. And that passage comes out of Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Here, let me read it for us right now. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. What that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you, you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquer and sat down with my father on his throne. Let's pray. God, I, I first want to just pray that this sermon, this word is from you. And I pray for the hearts. I pray for the minds of everyone listening and watching this sermon. Um, and as we talk about seeing, as we talk about perspective, I just pray that we come to this with open hearts and open minds and, and not being closed off. Learning from the example of my life of being closed off, I pray that we are open, that um, we allow your spirit to flow in us. Wherever we're listening to this or watching this, whatever the room is, I pray that your spirit is there, Father. And I pray that this word, um, even though it might be a tough word, that is a word that is needed for your church. And I pray that the word comes off um, gentle uh, to soft hearts. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's start in verse 14. It says this, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. And before we dive in, 
in Revelation, as Revelation starts, Revelation 1 to 3, we see Jesus is writing letters, right? He's writing these warnings, these letters, and it's the seven churches scattered around um, during that time, and he's writing them letters, and this is the last letter. This is to the church of Laodicea, and this <laughs> this letter is the toughest one, right? Of all the letters, this is the toughest one he's going to write, and he starts off this way. He starts off saying, um, these are the words of the amen, of the amen, right? And we have to, before we get into it, what is he saying there, right? What does that mean? Why, do he, why does he start with this? These are the words of the amen, right? And we see, we know this is Jesus writing. And what's really about to happen is Jesus saying, I'm about to come in hot, right? I'm about to come in hot. I'm about to come in with this threat. And I want you to know that I have the credibility to carry out this threat. Right. We see here that he says the true and faithful witness. That's what amen means. Right. It's firm. It's trustworthy. It means is it let your will be done. It's going to happen. Um, and, and the point of this is Jesus is saying, I'm about to say something and I don't want you to take it lightly. I don't want you to take it as something like, oh, OK, I'll do it when I can. I'm about to tell you something and I want you to pay attention. So what Jesus is saying here, be on spiritual alert. Right? And, and we all, as we read this and we study this, we should be on spiritual alert. And that brings us right into our first point, the threat. All right, let's jump right back in. Let's jump to verse 15. Let's see what it says here. He says, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. With that, you are either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not, reali not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, right? And what we're going to do, we're going to kind of compare Laodicea uh, to the United States, right? Because the mindset is very similar. It's pretty much the modern-day comparison to Laodicea. And, and before we get into this analogy, we have to understand the water supply of Laodicea. When we go into our bathrooms, we, we push the cold or hot water. Um, we know that water doesn't come directly from under our sinks. It comes from a long way off. And that was the same way in Laodicea. Uh, what would happen is they, Laodicea, the water supply was poor in that town. Right? It, was a rich, it was a rich region, but the water supply was very bad. Because um, what happened is they would have a water, water source coming six miles downstream. So when it first comes out, it's hot. The water is ready. It's good. But the six-mile journey, by the time it got to Laodicea, the water was lukewarm, right? It was like they'll usually they'll, they'll try to drink it, and they'll usually spit it right out because it wasn't good. And, and the point Jesus is making here is that lukewarm water is, doesn't have no use. All you do is spit it out, right? And in verse 15, he says, whether you're neither cold nor hot. And this is what he's not saying. He's not saying cold is bad and hot is good. Because sometimes when we hear this analogy, we're like, yeah, be cold for Jesus or hot for Jesus, be hot, right? And he's, he's not saying that. Because cold water and hot water, they both have benefits, right? If you're running, if you're working out, if you're sweaty, you don't want hot water, right? Hot water is good maybe for tea or coffee, but you want a nice, cold, refreshing glass of water, Right. But again, if you want tea or coffee, you want something hot in the morning, that's when you want the hot water. Right. So they both have benefits. But lukewarm water, it, it has no benefits. Jesus is saying, I know your deeds. I, I see what you do. 
Because if your deeds were neither cold nor hot, they will benefit the world in some way. And they will, it wouldn't just benefit the world because a lot of people benefit the world with their deeds, right? It's not just that. They will have a flavor of a life transformed by the work of Jesus, right? That's what our deeds should do as Christians, if they're hot or cold, right? But the lukewarm deeds, those deeds are done with, without joy, without passion, without a, 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 the spirit of God in them, and, and they do harm to the world, and I want to ask these questions. Before we move on, I want to ask you two questions for just a quick little self-evaluation. The first one is, what are you putting out into the world? Right? The things you do, the deeds that you, that you do on a daily basis, what do you output into the world? Right? Because people are watching. We have a watching world that is watching us as Christians. They are watching to see what we do. If we, the things we say, we believe, we actually live them out. So I want to ask you, what are you putting out to the world? And my second question is, are you dehumanizing people with a different view than you? Are you dehumanizing people with a different political view than you? Are you dehumanizing people with a different uh, religion or spiritual view than you? Right? If you see someone walking down the street with a MAGA hat on, how are you viewing that person? If you see someone walking down the street with a Black Lives Matter t-shirt on, how are you viewing that person? Right? God is calling us to be a, a holy, set apart from this world. When a Christian interacts with things, it should not look just like the world interacts with things. We have to stand apart. We have to realize what's going on right now is bigger than left and right. It's bigger than what we see. There is a spiritual warfare battle going on right now. And if we're dehumanizing people because they don't view or think the way we do, we are harming the world. We're not, we're not blessing the world. We're not benefiting the world in, in any way. Matthew 7, 17 says this. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but a diseased tree bears bad fruit. Right? When I was talking about that street advantage, what he's really saying to me was that I was a lukewarm Christian. And if you look back, you know, I, I, I can agree. I claim to be a Christian, but yet I live like God didn't exist. I went to church every Sunday and I looked apart and I did all the good things. But my inner state still wanted to worship myself. My heart was unchanged, and I was the god of my own life. And in that, my hypocrisy was sickening to God. Right, and that brings us right to verse 16. Here's the threat. Here's what he says in verse 16. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus is saying plainly here that you have no part with me. Right, and we think about lukewarm. And I was thinking about an analogy. I thought about: uh, Have you ever left water bottle in your car, maybe overnight, or you left it in a hot sun? And for some reason, for me, when I see a water bottle, I expect it to be cold. I don't know, maybe because I've seen them in fridges my whole life. I just I expect it to be cold. And you know, I get in a car, the, the water bottle sitting there in the hot sun, and I and I still say I'm gonna drink it, right? And I know it's gonna be nasty, right? And then you drink it, and, and that taste, uh, and I have, I spit it out a couple times, right? Because I was like, I wanted a cold taste, but it was just not hot, but like a a weird hot taste. You know, that's what lukewarm is, right? That's it had really has no benefit. And Jesus says, I'm going to spit you out. Right? You're not a hot or cold. I'm going to spit you out. You have no part with me. He says something similar in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. Here's what he says. 
He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Right? And what I want to say here, and I, I want to be careful, but just because you say you're a Christian does not mean you are a Christian. It's like, it, and this is not a perfect analogy, but it's like if I was on a flight and, and over the intercom, the pilot says, hey, do you have any doctors on the plane? There's a guy having a heart attack. He needs help. Right? And imagine me, who's not a doctor. I kind of get up, I stand up, I brush myself off, and I say, hey, you know, I'm a doctor. Right? And then immediately uh, a, a, a stewardess come over, she pulls my arm and says, hey, this guy needs help. Right? And then at that point, I, gotta, I have to show some works. I have to show that I'm a Christian. Right? So I might be calling Greg Rules and say, hey, man, I need some help. <laughs> like, I, I have to figure out in such a way. But when I get there, the guy's on the floor, he's having a heart attack. And the first thing I do, I put my hand on the stomach just trying to find this post. And they're going to be like, what is this guy doing? And they'll quickly realize I have no clue what I'm doing. Right? They'll just they'll say to me, you ain't no doctor. Stop lying. Right? They'll say it just like that. You ain't no doctor. Get out of here. Right? And that's what that guy was saying to me on the street that day. He said, you, you're, you ain't no Christian. Stop lying. And it's crazy because, when man, I still remember when he said that. I had the same mindset as they had in Laodicea. You know, let's, verse 17, this is, this is what they say. This is what they're saying to Jesus, right? They're saying this, verse 17. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And Laodicea, much like the U.S., was rich in material possessions. And I want to read you guys this quote. When we have an abundance of material blessings, we are often blinded for our need for spiritual blessings. Let me read that again for y'all in the back. When we have an abundance of material blessings, we are often blinded for our need for spiritual blessings. Right? That was the first thing I said to the guy when he tried to talk to me. The second time he came in, you want to talk? I said, I'm good. Like, I'm good. I have no need for anything. Right? I'm good. Right? Sure, God wasn't my all in all. Sure, I rarely read the Bible. Sure, I didn't pray much. Sure, I, I secretly loved to sin. Sure, holiness seemed hyper-Christian and kind of too much. Sure, I never really owned him in public, but that's why I had my bracelet on. Right? I had to show people I already represented Jesus. And sure, I never really had any quiet time or time him time alone with him, but God got me. He He knows me. He knows He knows my heart. He knows I'm not perfect. I'm just human, right? I didn't cuss much. I wasn't sleeping around. By all accounts, I was a good guy. I must be a Christian, right? I, I sung all the songs. I I went through all the motions. I did everything that. Anyone would say a Christian would do, right? I did what I was told to do, so I must be a Christian. I was good, but really I was poor, pitiable, wretched, uh, blind, and naked. And and I think we have to be super aware of this because we live in that same culture as Laodicea, 
We live in that same culture that we're so we have so many material blessings here that we just kind of get wrapped up in the business of life. And that was going on there. They wasn't they wasn't being intentionally lukewarm. They were just busy getting their getting their money, getting their grind, doing doing living life. And their spiritual blessings became an afterthought in their life. And, and that's why we don't pray. Right? I asked myself, I said, I said, why don't I pray more? And this is now, not back in college, right? I asked myself, and I asked myself this question, uh, why is prayer not important to me like it is to the people of God in the Bible? Right? You read from Genesis to Revelation, prayer is something that links all those things together and it was so important to them, but why is it doesn't have that same weight in my life? And then I realized my perspective was off. Because, you know, for the most part, I, I don't think I need it, to be honest. I don't think I need it. I have everything I need. I, ha I have a money. I have a car. I have a job. I have house. I have, you know, waters everywhere. You can go to any sink. <laughs> you know, food is everywhere. It's abundant here in our culture. And when you have so much material blessings, you get so wrapped up and our spiritual needs become an afterthought. Right, so here's the threat. Jesus says, I'm going to spit you out because you're not living for me. You're living for yourself. But thank God that he doesn't leave us there. Right, that wasn't, and he didn't stamp the letter and say, Jesus, and stamp it, right? He doesn't end the letter there. He, he gives us counsel. He gives us guide. And that brings us right into our second point, the counsel. Let's look at verse 18 and 19. Jesus says this. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so, you, so that you may see. Those who I, I love, I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent. Right? Don't be discouraged. Like That's the first thing I'm going to say. Don't be discouraged listening to the sermon. Jesus' desire for us is not to spit us out, right? He does not want that. He, does, he doesn't want to spit us out. Look at verse 19. He says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. We, we, we see the heart of Jesus here. He's given us the, the counsel. He's given us the guide here. And we all know children who are poorly disciplined, right? We see how they act. You see a, a, a child running up, ripping and running in the store. You're like, oh, man, that child needs some discipline, right? Um, again, discipline and love, that's Jesus' heart here. We see his heart here. Verse, jump back to verse 18. He, he says this, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and staff to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Right? And we see here, Jesus addresses three major issues um, here. And, and, it, and it's cool, as I was studying this, I realized these three things he mentioned. He mentioned uh, that we were poor, that we were naked, and we were blind. Right? Uh, he mentions those three things. And that was the pretty much why Laodicea is famous. Right? They, they, they're really famous for their banking, their textiles, and their medicine. So Jesus is saying, here, I'm going to, you, you think you're wealthy, right? But you're actually poor, but I want to give you gold. I want to make you wealthy, right? Refined by fire. Um, you're naked, right? They're really, they're really famous for clothing and textiles, right? He wants to clothe them in righteousness. 
and, and they, they're really famous for the medicine. And he says, but you're really blind and I want salve for your eyes to help you see. So let's go quickly, let's go through these and break them down and see what Jesus is saying. And the first one is gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. Right? And what does this mean? What is he talking about here? And as we go through, you have to remember, this is spiritual counsel. So we have to look back past um, what we may think. Right? He's not saying, hey, I'm going to give you riches in this earth. Right? But he's saying, I'm going to give you riches in heaven. Um, he's saying, Jesus said, I have pure gold. Uh, I have gold that has been refined by fire. And when you refine gold by fire, that's how you get all the impurities out. And we see the same language in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials show you that your faith is genuine. And it is being tested by fire and fire that purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials... It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And what he's saying is don't compromise when sin and, and things come your way. Right? Stand for what is right. Come with me. Stand for the truth. Come with me. When, when our culture tells us to bow down to these idols. Right? We, we have to stand. We have to have. We, we have the spiritual Mindset as Christians, we have something different that the world does not have. We have the light, we can see, and they cannot. So, when they bow down to idols, we have to stand back and be firm, come what may. Secondly, uh, he is saying, White garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. Right? And it's really cool because in Laodicea, they are famous for this black wool. So for most of the culture, they'll walk around, they have, they're pretty much around all black, and that was the culture. So Jesus is contrasting here. He says, I'm going to give you white garments, right? I'm going to give you, you're going to, you should stand out, right? And that's the point here. He's saying you should stand out from the culture. What, when you walk around, you should be clothed and white, right? Again, we're talking spiritually, not literally, right? He's saying spiritually, you should be different than those people who are around you. We should look different to the rest of the culture, Here's what he says in Colossians 3. Uh, here's what Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dear, holy, right? Set apart, you're different. Holy and, and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, right? Put those things on every day. Put them on. You should be looking different than the culture. And the last thing he says, salve for your eyes. So that you may see, right? God wants us to have a, a perspective that to see us clearly and to see Him clearly. But this this perspective is dual. This is a dual perspective, and we have to have balance here. It can't be on one side or the other, right? We have to first we have to see ourselves as wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. We have to see ourselves as that. And at the same time, we have to see Jesus as the one who can give us what we need, right? They have to have both those perspectives. Because if you, if you only have one, you have poor, if you only see yourself as poor, pitiful, wretched, and naked, you'll get into self-pity. Like I was when I got home that day. I, was, I had a pity party for myself, 
right? You would just see yourself as self-pity and you would say, forget it. I don't want to follow God. I'll just live a life of sin. And But if you go in the other way, you see Jesus had everything I need. You're starting to just be, you're starting to have a license to sin, right? You're starting to sin and be like, okay, Jesus will provide. Jesus will give me everything I need. I don't need to work. Jesus will provide. And we have to have a balance of those perspectives. With a dual perspective is, yes, I'm wretched, I'm pitiful, I'm poor, but Jesus will give me what I need. He has what I need. In Mark 2, 17, it says this. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think, key word, think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Right? Then the question you're probably asking me here is, you know, how do I, you just told me that I'm pitiful, I'm poor, I'm blind, I'm naked, I'm wretched. How do I buy, how do I buy all these things in this state? Right? How do I buy gold when I'm broke? And that question answered in our last and final point, the promise. Let's read here in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And we have to note here, Jesus is not talking to an unbeliever. He is not talking to someone who wants nothing to do with him. He's talking to the Christian who goes to church every Sunday. They sing the worship songs. They take notes during the sermon. And then after that moment, live a life like he does not exist. He's talking to me that night at the movie theater. Right? I was wearing my WWJD bracelet. And the guy, the street manager I was talking to, he pointed at it. And he said, no, it's not what would Jesus do. It's what did Jesus do. Right? And Jesus is knocking at the door. And, and this is pretty cool because the knocking at the door it, it represents an ancient Jewish wedding invitation. In the days of Jesus, the bride and his father, they will come up uh, and the bride will have the betrothal cup and the father will have the bride price. And they will come to the, to the bride-to-be's door and they will knock. Right? They will knock. Sometimes they will yell inside. And only when she fully opens the door, she's saying, yes, I, I am your bride, right? She doesn't open it halfway and shut it, right? She doesn't peek and, and shut it. She opens the door full way. And, and that was the, the process, right? That was her accepting to be the bride-to-be. And in the same way, we have Jesus and the Father. He is knocking the door of our hearts. And he's, and he's asking us to, to be, become part of the bride of Christ, Right? Imagine having the best meal you ever had with a very close friend, right? That's what Jesus is inviting us here to. He's trying to have a meal with someone. Imagine having a meal with somebody that you don't have to hide anything. You don't have to put your Christian face on or you don't have to be perfect for, right? You can relax. You can put your guard down. You can say, yeah, you sinned today. And he already, and the thing about this friend, he already knows you sinned today, right? He knows it already. So you don't have to put in any guards. That's what Jesus is inviting us too. But we have to open a door. We have to get up. We have to walk through the door and open it. And we can't open it halfway. We have to open it wide. Right? Because when we do that, here's what he's here's the promise. Here's what he's inviting us to. Uh, here's the promise in verse 21. He says, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I con as I also conquered. And sat down with my father on his throne. Right? We see Jesus conquered 
uh, he conquered sin, he conquered Satan, he conquered death, and he did all that by not swerving from a life of love. And, and we all know it cost him his life. And, and now the same one, Jesus, remember what he said in Matthew 8, uh, 28? Matthew 28, before he gave the disciples the Great Commission, he says, all authority has been given to me. Right? He has the authority to, the, the, to say this. Right, He's the one who has all the authority on heaven and earth has come to him. And he says, if you would just conquer with me, you will reign with me. Yes, <laughs> like he's saying to us, yes, I know you're going to have to fight, but it's only going to be for a little while. Right? I see what's going on on earth. I see your presidential debates. Right? I, I see how much of a mess it is. I, I know there's a lot going on, but I need you to conquer. I need you to fight. And, and, and no, you're not fighting by yourself. Jesus is saying, you don't have to fight alone. Let me in. Open the door. Let me in. Trust me. And all will be well. Right? Does that mean nothing bad is going to happen in your life? No. That goes against the rest of the Bible. Right? We're going to go through trials. We have to, we're going to be tested with fire. Right? Trials. But if you trust me, all will go well. And I also want to say this call, right? When people hear a call like this, they say, that is for the pastors. That's for the people with the leadership of the church. But this call is for everyone who is a Christian, right? Anyone who believes in Jesus, he has a purpose for your life, right? There's a unique purpose for your life. God has designed you in such a way to, to fulfill a purpose that only you can fulfill it. Right? There is no people that's born on accident or people who are Christian or believe the gospel or even born on accident. Right? Everyone has a purpose. Everyone doesn't live out their purpose, but God has designed everyone for a purpose. And if you're listening to me right now, if you're hearing this right now, you have a purpose. Get it out your head. Don't be like me when I said, yeah, that's for the pastors. Right? That's for the people in leadership. I'm just a, there is no normal Christians. God has designed all of us to live out his will. Come with me. Right? And, and, the, and the question we're going to be asking right now is, what, what do we need to conquer? Right? Because Jesus said, if you conquer, you're going to reign with me. Conquer what? And we have to conquer lukewarmness. But before we leave here, guys, we're wrapping up. I want to leave you with a couple, a couple tools, a couple hints of how to conquer lukewarmness daily. Because I've heard this sermon before. I heard people preach on this before and they said, yeah, don't be lukewarm, right? And I said, like, that's, that's great, <laughs> but how do I do that, right? So four quick points before we wrap up here. The first one is we have to pray and believe it, right? Because yeah, pray, like people just say prayer and it's like, most people don't even know what that means, right? And when I say pray and believe it, I mean, when you pray, believe what, like, first of all, believe you're talking to God. You're not just talking to the sky, right? And because for most of us, when we come to prayer, we treat God like a genie, like we're in a Latin. We're rubbing it, the lamp, pops out, three wishes, three wishes, right? And we say, God, here's what I want. Here's my list. Goodbye. Make them be done, right? And that's not what prayer is. Prayer is our way to build relationship with God. It's our primary communication to God, right? And that's his desire, so when we pray, we have to believe. We have to believe that we're praying and we have to believe that our prayers matter to God. God answers every prayer. Sometimes he says no. Right? We just have to be honest. People say, God didn't answer my prayer. He didn't let me do this. No, he did answer. He said no. Everything is not yes. He's not a genie. 
Right, my niece always comes to me and says, Uncle Cal, I want to play in the street. I say, no, you're not, you're not playing in the street. Right, that's not, I did when I was a kid, but I was a knucklehead, right? But <laughs> no, you're not playing in the street because it's not safe. So sometimes God says no, but that doesn't mean prayer doesn't work, right? We have to pray and believe it. Our second point is keep your account short with God. When you sin, when you do big sins, when you do little sins, keep your account short. I remember I was in the grocery store and and like last week and this lady she um, I'm, I'm, I go up there there the way the grocery store is set up is that there are self checkout lines farther away and there are some closer and you know so the two different checkout lines so I go on the one that's shorter and this lady gives me a mean stare down and she says the line starts back there right and I and I got I was ready I was ready to defend myself I said ma'am there's lines here this is a different checkout line I'm in my rights and I went to my line and I went forward and then that you know as I'm and it's funny because as I'm checking out she's right in front of me like she's like where this camera is she's right in front of me so I'm looking right at her and I, and I, and I pray I said God that wasn't right even though I was in the right that wasn't right. So I quickly just repented and say, you know, I'm sorry for not representing you there. Right? Little things like that or even big sins. Right? Keep your account short with God. Because when you linger on sins, that's not Jesus. That's the devil. Right? That guilt you feel, Romans 8.1, there is no combination of those who are in Christ. Keep your account short with God. The third point, uh, don't coddle little compromises. Kill them. Right? Be attacked. We're at war. Don't just, don't let little things slide because it's always the little things, right? Uh, Paul Washer said he never seen a man fall. He always seen men slide. It's always a, a slide down. It's, it's never just a, a big fall. No, it's little compromises building up, building up, building up, and it becomes big. So we have to be intentional every day to kill little compromises. And lastly, I want to say we have to have the right perspective, right? We have, to, we have to know what's at stake. We have to have the right perspective because really there is two. And people who know me, they love, they know I love extremes. I love black or white. It's either black or white. There's no gray, right? Um, and that's not true in all situations, but in this one it is, right? Because in our afterlife, when we're, uh, when we're done in this life, we have two options. We can be with God or we can be without God, right? God is either going to spit us out or we're going to sit and reign with him in heaven. Right? Those are our two perspectives. So don't think, oh, this little sin, it doesn't hurt anyone. Or no one can see me. Right? That's not true. We have to have a proper perspective and know what's at stake. And I know there was a lot. I know I was just, I feel like I was just firing out. Um, so before we get off, before we go into our, our MC call, let me pray. Let me pray for us. Let me pray that this uh, this word, um, man, because because I when I again I I go back to the point when I when he told me I was a fake Christian I was not ready to hear it and and I denied it I denied that feeling I was not ready it was tough and my prayer is that this sermon wasn't that rough right it didn't come off that hard like hey you're a fake Christian nothing you can do about it right I, I hope if you do feel like man maybe maybe there's something I need to work on. Hopefully, it, it was positive, not negative. So, let me pray for us. God, I, I'm just thankful so much for your word. Thank you for allowing us to even still meet and preach and talk about your word. 
Um, but as we uh, as we went through this sermon, as we talked about what it means to be lukewarm, uh, we, we, we saw your heart, we saw your desire. It's not to spit us out, but your desire is for us to reign with you. Uh, my prayer is for the hearts in this room. The, the hearts that are receiving this, they don't they don't get stuck up with pride. They don't become hardened. They don't they don't feel like they there is nothing they can do. I pray that um, they they buy gold from you. They buy white clothes from you, right? They buy salve for the eyes so they can see properly. I, I pray that they take action in a positive manner after hearing your word. Thank you so much, Father, for you, all the blessings that you give to us. We pray all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, we're hopping into our City Life Y Zoom call right after this. But before we hop on, I want to give us our prompt questions for today. And our first one is super simple. Just say hi and catch up. Right? Be intentional to say hi, to catch up, see what's going on in life. Pray for one another. Just catch up and share your story with one another. Right? This is a great time to share our story, our life with people. Prompt question number two. Looking at your life right now, do you think you are a lukewarm Christian? My prayer is that we're honest with one another as we look at ourselves and evaluate this question. Prompt question number three. How does it make you feel that Jesus' desire for us is to reign with him forever? You think about how that makes you feel that Jesus wants you to sit with him on the throne. How does that make you feel? Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for being here at church. And I'll see you guys next Sunday.